Scene 7. Dear Lynx. Council Chambers at Thor's Base, Shentlepiece City, Hawk Moon Day, Vespers. Evening, 10th of April, 1284. Just when the crowd reaches its breaking point and verges on anarchic violence, Major League's umpire Gandorf Mithranderson shows up with a large contingent of armed elves combined from the Justiciar League, the League of Licorns, and the Ivy League. Elf standard bearers from each of the leagues blow their horns furiously, demanding that the crowds quiet down. Officers and sergeants from the leagues wade into the reflecting pool to bring Lynx and the two humans before the Major League's umpire, and Ganyan's father treats him with the utmost respect. Monsieur Lynx, can you tell us what happened to the Monsieur Umpire-in-Chief? Lynx knows he could be in big trouble. No, I have no idea where he is, but we had to extinguish the Black Flame to save the colony. The Inquisitor... Calm down, Monsieur. We'll hear your story out in due time. Right now, the Monsieur Umpire-in-Chief is missing. His safety is our first priority. Do these humans know anything about his whereabouts? Lynx asks them in his crude English, and then he translates their response for Umpire Gendorf. They said that the goblin killed our leader. They must mean the goblin that the Longhouse humans captured for us. Umpire Gandorf thinks for a moment, then waves his hands to beckon some soldiers. This is an emergency of the First Order. Calm the crowds down. The officers and sergeants press through the crowd using elbows, batons, and the flat of their swords to get the hysterical elves to submit. And Ganyan's father shouts above the crowd, Reports have confirmed that our umpire-in-chief has died in defense of his homeland. As Major League's umpire, I am exercising my prerogative to declare martial law and assume leadership of the government until the Council of Perfects decides on a provisional head of state. Due to the current political crisis, the Council of Perfects will be holding an emergency council session at sundown. All those not invited to the session are ordered to return to their homes until the Council has announced its decision. Anyone found roaming the walkways after sundown without a pass will be arrested as a rabble-rouser. Suspecting foul play, Florence gives instructions to Officer Bunsey, the soaking wet justiciar leaguer who told her about her father's death. Go tell the Monsieur Major League's umpire that I am too distressed over my father's death to attend the emergency council session. Then meet me at Woden's Tree. After delivering the message, Officer Bunsey looks for Florence at Woden's Tree, but can't find her. Psst, she hisses at him. Over here! He moves to where the sound came from, and a hand grabs him into a tree trunk. Where are we? This is a secret entrance into the council chambers that only the umpire-in-chief knows about. Uh, then how do you know about it? Duh! You really think Xena could win the election? My father started showing me the ropes early. Yay, democracy! And why take me along? My father told me once, That officer Bunsey is a low-life thug, but you can count on his loyalty. Thanks for the compliment, I think. Climb this ladder. I suspect the Council of Perfects is going to be a lot more honest about what happened to my father if they think I'm not listening. So you have a secret room where you can spy on everything that goes on in there? Exactly. And if you betray that secret, you'll be put to a horrible death. Don't worry. Your father was right about me. That's reassuring, but not at all comforting. Hey, I'm loyal, okay? The other part... Shh! Florence puts her hand over his mouth. Through the spy holes, they hear Dungaree Jean say, By my bushy eyebrows, you do seem to be taking these unexpectedly catastrophic events rather well. It's Engannion's voice that responds. Oh, Madame Dungaree, you're always so dramatic. There's nothing catastrophic or unexpected about this turn of events. My father's been planning it out all along. Florence blurts out. That rat! Officer Bunsey jumps back. Where? Shh! Keep it down. It was only a metaphor. 
Do metaphors bite? Florence waves him to follow. Only when you don't want to hear the truth. Come on. They climb through some tight tunnels and walk over rafters until they reach a dusty, unpolished, dark room with a screen that allows them to look down into the council chambers and hear what is going on. There are no chairs or cushions, so they sit on the raw planks. Officer Bunsey gets antsy. So, how's a rodent supposed to know if I don't want to hear the truth? Shh! Florence breathes right into his ear. They'll hear us down there with all your chatter. Still trying to digest in Ganyan's comments, Florence settles herself against the screen to watch and listen. Dungaree Jean sits in the front row next to Johnny Appleseed in his wheelchair. The civic summoner reads the names of those summoned to the council session. To Florence's surprise, the names Johnny Appleseed, Zena, and Lynx are on the list. Zena is seated next to Nganyan's father, Major League's umpire Gandorf Mithranderson, who has taken his place next to the umpire-in-chief's chair. Once the civic summoner has finished issuing summonses, the High Commissioner commissions the meeting by going through the formality of inviting the umpire-in-chief to speak. Then, at his request, the entire council chamber pauses for a moment of silence out of respect for the umpire-in-chief's death. The High Commissioner announces, In the absence of our dearly departed Monsieur Umpire-in-Chief, I call upon the acting head of state for the Tuscarora Elves, the Monsieur Major League's umpire Gandorf. A burst of applause erupts as umpire Gandorf makes his way onto the stage and addresses the High Elves in the audience. No wood elves were invited in runic. Madames, mademoiselles, messieurs, esteemed high elves of our noble race around whom the cosmos turn, on this day, a tragic day, we gather to honor the life of our dearly departed Monsieur Umpire-in-Chief Kibler Ernestson, and to ensure that the fire elves of Tuscarora Mountain will carry on his legacy. Superlative high elves, read through the history books to understand what this great elf accomplished. Never has our military felt more confident. Never has our economy been so strong. Never have our relationships with the longhouse humans, the mountain dwarves, and the garden gnomes been so reliable and productive as they are now at the end of these twelve years of his umpirage. Ask yourselves, would the longhouse humans have turned over a lurking goblin to Monsieur Drayton while he was umpire-in-chief? He was a second father to me, and appointed me Major League's umpire because he knew that our military needed a strong leader to unify its power. I remember the day when Mademoiselle Florence announced to him that she would run for umpire-in-chief. At first he refused. He wanted her to take over his business and have a happy life with no other concerns than taste-testing chocolate chip cookies. What is the point, I asked him, of spending thy whole life fighting to open the path to happiness for thy children when thou must bar them from the career they see themselves most happily pursuing? I reminded him that, although it goes against precedence for the children of umpires to run for office, no law forbids it. By the time the sorbet was served at that dinner, our dearly departed monsieur umpire-in-chief promised his daughter he would support her candidacy in private as her father, but not in public. If she was going to win the chief umpirage, she would have to earn it on her own merit. Her dedication to the campaign trail and her stellar performance in the Ivy League tournament proved that she was a worthy candidate. However, superlative high elves, it pains me to say that Mademoiselle Florence is no longer on Tuscarora Mountain. She has gone into voluntary exile. Florence gasps. What? I never said that. Umpire Gandorf continues. The first reason is obvious, her grief at her father's loss. The second reason is less obvious, but equally public, her embarrassment over the Bartleby affair. Florence can't believe her ears. 
Why that? Officer Bunsey leans into her ear. Shh! They'll hear us down there with all your chatter. When her staff first intercepted the letter implying that the garden nomad stewardess Bartleby might have leaked the secret recipe for elf fire, she did not want to act on it out of her love for her dear friend, Mademoiselle Zena. The poor taste of her campaign manager pressured her to go public with the scant information available, claiming that it would be the only way to protect Chantelpea City. After hours of agonizing over it, she felt she had no choice. We now know Bartleby handed over a simple acorn pie recipe. In a single day, Mademoiselle Florence realized that she lost both her best friend to dirty politics and her father to a security breach. Such strokes of misfortune, one at a time, have shattered stronger persons, but all together, on a single day, she needs time to grieve. But that timing leaves us in a delicate predicament. Right now, Mademoiselle Zena Jean's daughter is the only candidate for the chief umpirage left in Chantelpeace City. A few gasps ripple through the audience as the ramifications of the current political situation sink in. After a rhetorical pause, umpire Gandorf continues. Without a second candidate, according to the magnificent charter, we cannot hold an election. If we postpone the elections, it could be months, perhaps years, before candidates of sufficient quality step forward. Florence rolls her eyes. Now she sees where umpire Gandorf has been going with this. He is going to angle the whole situation so that his indecisive son can get back on the ballot, even after spitting on the opportunity when it was first presented to him. Umpire Gandorf calls out. Mr. Link's Hyrun, wilt thou please approach the stage? Surprise and shock hit every last soul in the council chambers. Absolutely no one saw this coming. Link stands, surprised and nervous. When he walks up onto the stage, umpire Gandorf turns him around with an affirming pat on the back and announces, To honor the memory of our dearly departed Monsieur Umpire-in-Chief, and to fulfill one of his last promises as acting head of state, I hereby grant Monsieur Lynx Cougarson of Clan Hyrule a paid commission as a junior officer in the Ivy League, an enfranchisement as a high elf of Tuscarora Mountain. Umpire Gandorf hands him a scroll, and the chamber hall offers a reluctant round of applause. Monsieur Lynx, all the other elves on Tuscarora Mountain have declined to run for the office of umpire-in-chief. Wilt thou be willing to put in thy bid for candidacy to maintain the democratic process? Muddy Campaign Trail Lynx hesitates. It's all too much to take in. Zena stands and asks publicly in a loud voice, Monsieur Major League's umpire, art thou not intending to prosecute him for sacrilege? After all, the Black Flame was dedicated to Thor. Lynx looks at Zena with bulging eyes, feeling utterly betrayed. How could you bring that up in a moment like this? With a friend like you, who needs enemies? Umpire Gandorf announces to the council chambers in Runic. If thou dost accept the candidacy, Monsieur Lynx, as acting head of state, I would grant thee an empirical pardon for thy act to keep these disruptions from scuttling the ship of democracy. Her glare makes Lynx realize Zena doesn't want him to become her equal. He rebels. I accept! Satisfied, umpire Gandorf ushers Lynx off the stand with the disinterest of a newspaper reader suddenly realizing the addition in hand is yesterday's news. He nods to the civic summoner, and the warder goes down and wheels Johnny Appleseed to the front. Dungaree Jean stands next to him as his translator. The High Commissioner asks Johnny Appleseed, 
Dost thou swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, or else invite the wrath of Woden upon thy head? After hearing Dungaree Jean's translation, Johnny Appleseed replies, The good Lord in the Bible forbids us from swearing, but I solemnly affirm before the one true God that I will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Dungaree Jean translates his statement word for word. The High Commissioner looks to umpire Gandorf with worry on his face. The Major League's umpire nods and asks him in a commanding voice, Reverend Appleseed, the two humans have informed us that before his death, our dearly departed Monsieur Umpire-in-Chief figured out a way to weaponize the Black Flame by shooting it out of a siphon. Armed with this advanced technology, he used it to ambush and destroy the Inquisitor. Little did he suspect that the captured goblin had forged an alliance with the Inquisition and brought death to many brave high elves, including our dearly departed Monsieur Umpire-in-Chief. In my expert opinion, is it possible to weaponize Black Flame in a manner similar to what the two humans claim our dearly departed Monsieur Umpire-in-Chief managed to do? Dungaree Jean waits for Appleseed's reply and says in runic, Yes, Monsieur Major League's umpire. The chamber audience mumbles and comments to each other. Umpire Gandorf continues interrogating him through Dungaree Jean. Canst thou replicate the military applications of Black Flame that the two human witnesses described? No, Monsieur Major League's umpire, he cannot. Umpire Gandorf calls out, I propose legislation establishing a commission to thoroughly investigate the Black Flame findings of our dearly departed Monsieur Umpire-in-Chief. These discoveries could be the key to maintaining elf military superiority in the near future. My thanks to thee, Reverend Appleseed, for thy testimony. Thou mayest return to thy place. She starts to roll Appleseed back to the front row of the audience, but he whispers to Dungaree Jean, and she says in a loud voice, Begging thy permission, Monsieur Major League's umpire, Reverend Appleseed wishes to make a final statement regarding his gift of black flame to our community. Permission granted. Johnny Appleseed speaks as Dungaree Jean translates his words into runic. In my childhood, famines were common in Vinland. Our soil is fertile, but nutritious food often spoils quickly. I have seen families and entire communities on the brink of starvation because their vast supplies of food had rotted before anyone could eat them. When I learned of apples, how easily they grow in almost any climate, and how easy they are to preserve as apple jelly, applesauce, apple butter, and dried apple chips, I decided the first step to combating hunger in Vinland would be to make apple seeds readily available. I traveled far and wide, offering the gift of free apple seeds and using my family's patrimony to establish apple orchards across Vinland. Through my travels, I saw how alcohol drove mothers and fathers to spend money that should have gone to feeding their hungry children on inebriating drinks instead. Dog fennel was the only effective remedy to alcoholism I could find, so I began to distribute it along with the apple seeds. But when I came upon a group of outcasts who fostered the secret of black flame, I realized I had discovered the best solution for keeping food from spoiling. It seemed to me that hunger and famine were on their last legs in Vinland. If only I could make black flame available to every community, then we could support twice the number of people with half the food production that is required now due to the amount of spoilage that wastes food stocks so easily. Regretfully, the military applications of black flame have caused quite an uproar among church authorities. The Inquisition has tracked me down and forbidden me to distribute dog fennel, black flame, or even the Bible. 
If you do choose to cultivate black flame and investigate its military applications, understand that you must prepare for a terrible war. The Crusades have brought to their knees fortresses previously considered impregnable. Think of what happened to the town of Denora when it tried to shut its gates to the Crusaders. Hearing his grave warning, the High Elves break out into laughter. They hold the Pope's battalions in utter contempt. Umpire Gandorf quiets them down and asks, Is it not true that the Inquisition fears most the power of Black Flame to recall the dead from the Netherworld? It is. Could Black Flame recall our dearly departed Monsieur Umpire-in-Chief from the Netherworld? Not without the sword of Laban. The High Commissioner smacks his gavel. I wish to second Monsieur Major League's umpire's proposal to establish a Black Flame Commission. Any opposition? Silence. All in favor say aye. The raucous shouting of the power-hungry high elves drowns out the gavel. Motion carries. Legalese. Satisfied with how that went, umpire Gandorf turns to Lynx. Now then, there remains only the formality of Monsieur Lynx's candidacy. Please repeat after me. I, Monsieur Lynx Cougarson of Clan Hyrune, High Elf of Shentlepiece City, do hereby tender my candidacy for the position of umpire-in-chief over the Fire Elves of Tuscarora Mountain. Lynx repeats the formula, but barely does he sit down when one High Elf stands up. Objection! The High Commissioner bangs his gavel. Your objection, Monsieur Toadley? With bombast on his lips, Toadley says, A good number of us are wondering why we are banking the future of Chantelpiece City on a nouveau riche, former wood elf Mademoiselle, and a young upstart, former wood elf Monsieur, when we have before us in these very council chambers the perfect candidate, one who has merited his commission in a major league through his own competence, and who has never committed sacrilege or been embroiled in a scandal, and one whose bloodlines do great honor to our elfin pedigree, Monsieur and Ganyan Gandorfson. Murmurs of agreement make totally even bolder. I make a motion to draft ad hoc legislation in this emergency council session allowing Monsieur Nganyan Gandorfson to reconsider his candidacy for umpire-in-chief. Applause washes over the assembly. Before the hand-clapping stops, the high commissioner has already seconded the proposal and the audience has carried it. All of a sudden, the Toadley Act, paving way for Nganyan to offer his candidacy for umpire-in-chief, is now law under the Emergency Provisions Act of 1284. When Nganyan walks up to his father's empirical chair, he acts as if he is totally taken by surprise and has no idea what to do. Nganyan steps up to the stage where he addresses the chamber audience in runic. Mesdames, mademoiselles, and messieurs, while I am deeply honored by the high regard ye hold me in and would do anything within my power to honor the legacy of our dearly departed Monsieur Umpire-in-Chief, my heart desires to see only one elf in that role, Mademoiselle Zena Jean's daughter. He kneels on one knee before her and pulls out a ring. In a loud, manly voice, he says for the whole assembly to hear, Mademoiselle Zena, thou art the only elf I ever truly loved. Wilt thou marry me? Jumping up and clapping and flushed red in the face, she says, Yes! Yes! Some elves in the chamber audience take no delight in this spectacle. Lynx, hurt, confused, and humiliated, storms out of the council chambers. Florence fumes. Officer Bunsey taps Florence on the shoulder and says meekly, Maybe we should get going, mademoiselle. Straining every nerve to calm herself before speaking, Florence states, Please tell the Major League's umpire I've gone away. 
In my absence, you must recover my father's body, put it in a barrel of vinegar, and hide it here. Take the key to my father's coffer and bribe anyone who tries to stop you. You're not going for exile, are you? No, I'm going on a quest to bring back the Sword of Laban and my father's soul.